fantastic to be with you and uh, bring you greetings from the south, Milton Keynes. And um, it's great to know that uh, I've left my church in good hands and a good team of guys are looking out for that. And, um, you know, crowds of people today are going to hear the good news about Jesus Christ, be challenged and stirred by the word of God. And it's a, it's a great honor just to be with you um, this morning. And it's great to see Christian and Caroline. What a great family. And uh, what a great leader you have here. And um, early on, um, we saw the gift of God in Christian, um, particularly. And um, it's been great to see him grow and, um, and uh, to see him press on and take hold of all that God has for him. And uh, so it's good to, for me to be here um, with you today. Kind of feels a little bit like home, really. I stayed with him last night, and uh, it's, it's great to be with them and great to be with some of the leaders here last night. And I'm looking forward to just sharing God's word with you all this morning. I have to tell you, I love God's word. It's the foundation for your life. If you build your life upon it, the Bible says that you will be successful in your life. You'll stand strong and there's no storm or battle or the travesty even that you would face where God cannot help you to carry you through what it, it ever happens. I've noticed that God isn't always just delivering us from every situation. God actually is the God who carries us through different situations. And it's, it's about faith. It's not just about just in this life alone, but it's also about an eternity. And, um, you know, it's about finding the God who carries us through, who is our refuge, who is our strength, who is a very present help in times of trouble. And uh, God didn't deliver everybody out of the Bible. There's a lot of people who died in faith and uh, lost their lives. And, uh, but they were strong in the faith and they stood strong in what they were doing and what they believed in. And um, they ran after God with a fire in their hearts. And, uh, you know, I'm inspired by the Bible story and message about these great men and women of God. And, um, and I seek to run in this day and generation with the baton with the same sort of passion as well. And I trust that we all do want to find God in that kind of way to know that he's the one who always carries us through. I, I, I just want to challenges today a little bit about in life it's really important to uh, to run after God I want to kind of uh, challenge about running for gold I actually uh, really want to stir our hearts a little bit with the thoughts today about how to run in life well and um, and what it takes uh, from uh, the inspiration of scripture to run a good race to run in life um, you know, not for bronze, not for silver, but I believe the Bible encourages to run after it like it's gold. It's the top prize. It's, uh, it, it demands everything, giving it everything. I've always been an all or nothing kind of bloke, really. If I'm going to do something, it's got my full attention. It has got my full on energy. And um, I believe the Christian life is like that. If you will give God everything, he will not just look after you, but he will do things through your life to make a difference. I believe that. If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. And I just simply believe that, live my life by that, and lead that way by example. And, um, and so it's great to hear the work here is growing and developing. There's another building coming on board in Mansfield. I'm looking forward to going across tonight and just seeing some of the people there. And, you know, uh, you know, it's great to live life in faith, believing for God to do great things. I mean, what other way is there to live, to be honest, Right? We've got to believe that all things are possible with the God we serve. And so I believe in life we're to believe, we're to run after God, to go after things in this life with a sense of running for gold. That means 
we want to win the prize. We want to get the best. We want to give God the best. You know, um, I don't know if there's any Olympic watchers here, were, were you, over the summer? And wasn't it great to, you know, there's a lot of people against it because we, they felt we shouldn't be spending money um, in, the, in the country at the moment with the economy. But I kind of felt it give the nation a lift. And it was good um, to see that. And every four years, the International Olympic Games take place and it captures the attention, literally, of the entire world. It's an amazing event. And it's great to watch your favorite athletes if you have them. I had a few. And, uh, and it's great when they win. You know, the celebration and the excitement. And it's great to see this um, and see people competing for that gold medal, that, that first place. Um, and, it's, and it's wonderful when they win. And it's exhilarating to do that. And I have to say, you're so proud when, uh, you know, when, when Team GB got a new medal. I don't know about you, but we were screaming at the television and everybody in my house was up in arms and, and there's another medal. It's great. You feel so proud, especially when they step onto the podium and they put that gold medal around. It's a great moment, isn't it? I felt so proud um, of our guys. And, but few of us actually really understand the challenge and the dedication and the discipline and the training that went in to their you know, preparations, if you like, to become gold medalists. Few of us really understand the pain, not just the smiles, but the pain and the commitment that goes in to winning those gold medals. And um, we had a guy in the, in, uh, from Milton Keynes, actually, a guy called Greg Rutherford, and uh, he was a gold medalist. We were, we were chuffed in Milton Keynes when we won a gold medal, you know, and uh, he was a guy who won um, the long jump, the men's long jump on day eight. And he delighted the crowds with an 8.31 meter jump. That, that is huge. That, that's like, I think it's, it's, it's one and a half, it must be again, the length of this platform. That's a long jump, isn't it? I'm sure he had his shreddies before he did that that morning. And um, it was short of his personal best apparently, but it, um, it still proved too much for his opponents. He gave it his best. He was pushing for gold. And Greg said, I was just a normal kid attending a normal school, living in a normal house in Bletchley, Milton Keynes. And all of a sudden, I won the Olympics. It was almost like he was surprised himself. He became only the second British man in history to win gold in the long jump. And he calls himself the Ginger Wizard. And he actually enjoys baking in his spare time. I'm not quite sure what that says about him, but there we go. But just, just amazing. And we celebrated. And uh, he said it took hours and hours and hours and hours of preparation, long, hard sweat, and uh, to achieve that. But that same spirit, I believe, should be in the church. I believe it should be in the life of every Christian. Because we're pushing for something that far outweighs gold in this life. There's something that's eternal, that's worth far more than anything that we could ever achieve just solely of having possessions in this life. And, um, you know, the Apostle Paul knew this. A writer of the, prolific writer of the New Testament. And he wrote to the Corinthian Christians about seizing their day. About seizing their moment in life. That they were not living life just aimlessly drifting through life. Kind of making it up. But there was a purpose. A plan to their existence. There was, a, there, there was something that God wanted to do in their day. In their time. And with the one life they had. 
He wanted them to seize that moment and do something, to seize that opportunity. And so he challenged them with the reality and the commitment and their dedication about their faith, particularly at that time in their relation to winning more people for Christ, spreading the gospel. They gathered and they spread. They gathered and they spread. They gathered and they spread and they became carriers of the gospel message. And that seems to be the book of Acts. It seems to be many of the early church models where they gathered and they spread and they carried the good news around. And so Paul was wanted them to capture their day, to capture their generation, to say, you know, you're alive for a purpose. Wake up, realize that God is wanting to do something great through your life. You're going to carry this message to the world that you live in. Everybody has a Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth in your own life. And realize And Paul's saying to the Corinthians, I want you to realize you're alive with a purpose. And God is wanting to use you. So seize the moment, seize the day. I think that's the same message today as it was back then. And he speaks to the church here at Ilkeston. To seize your moment, to seize your day. And to realize that you're alive for a purpose. There's a plan. There's something God wants to do through all of your lives. And so Paul wrote this to the church. He said this to the Corinthians. He says, you know, and you'll find it in 1 Corinthians 9, 24. It says, you know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. So run to win. All those who compete in the games use self-control so that you can win a crown. That crown is an earthly thing that lasts only for a short time, but our crown will never be destroyed. So I do not run without a goal. I fight like a boxer who is hitting something, not just the air. I treat my body hard and I make it my slave so that I myself will not be disqualified after I have preached to others. This was the passion of his heart. And the Olympic Games here, as we've just celebrated them in this country and celebrated athletes in the UK who've won gold medals, Every four years, it came around in Greece, and without interruption, from something like 776 BC, right until Emperor Theodorus actually reigned, who suppressed the games in AD 393. That's 1,169 years. Every four years, these games had run. So why is Paul using this picture? Well, he's a clever guy, because he's just using pictures that everybody understood that was around him at the time. And they knew this. And so he refers to the games. He knew everybody knew about the games, a bit like today, a bit like us. And the games brought people together from all over the Mediterranean to compete. There was all kinds of games happening, wrestling, throwing, boxing, gymnastics, running. And, uh, and people used to compete and gather together. And, um, and they would compete fiercely, as they do still today, and fiercely in these games And the winners actually received some benefits. Paul knew these. Here's some of the benefits an Olympic gold medalist won at the times. They would receive the status and prominence of an Olympic athlete. athlete. And in those days, an Olympic athlete was, was highly esteemed. Man, if you wore one of those crowns around your head and People knew, you know, they, they would acknowledge you. You were a proud sort of, you could walk the streets and people would recognize you. This was an important status to them. They'd also win with that a lifetime exemption from paying taxes. Any, any amens in here? 
That'd be great, wouldn't it? Can you imagine that? A lifetime. If you won the gold medal, a lifetime free from paying tax. Just an amazing thing. A great incentive to run hard, I think. It was also they would receive, you know, an exemption from serving in the military. That they would all serve, and we don't see that so much in this country anymore, but other countries of the world still have that. And if they won, they were exempt from the military. They also received free tuition at one of the universities. At the time, there's a great education that was sought to be given to them. And a statue would have been carved that was placed on the way to the, to the great stadiums. And there, they were put there. So to become an Olympic athlete, athlete was an amazing feat. It was an important thing. And there was many benefits that came with that. And Paul taught Christians here in Corinth. He taught Christians to take the great games, right? Everything that you see around you happening. To take the games and transpose them into a different level that was to relate to their spiritual life. It was going to be something that would challenge eternity. It was about their own relationship with God and how they were going to have to live their lives in this life. But knowing eternity was ahead. There's a lot of people who just live their lives for this life. But I want to tell you, the Bible is very clear. There's something greater ahead. There is something that that is just an amazing place that's called heaven. Eternity with Christ to be gained and a hell to be shunned. And, uh, And Paul recognizes that and teaches that. And he challenges the church to see another kind of running. He says, when you see athletes run around you in the Olympic Games at this time, he said, I want you to see another kind of spiritual running that is important to you. When you look around and you see the Olympics, I want you to see another kind of boxing that's related to your spiritual life, that is important for you to grasp. When you see people training and denying themselves, I want you to see another training, another kind of discipline and self-denial that is really important for you. And when you see people smiling when they receive that gold medal, the winners of the Olympics around you, I want you to see another kind of prize that's going to be awaiting every Christian who runs in this life. And so, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, God, you know, in this life, I want to run in such a way as a Christian to win gold. To win gold. So how do you do that? How do you do that? It's an important question. And I just want to leave a few things with you to inspire you, to encourage you, because I want to say we all can do this. Okay? We all can do this. Some simple little things and challenge you and push you on your way, and it would challenge you to look out for each other and inspire and push each other to run for gold in this life, to run and give your best to it. The first thing is this. I kind of think it's like every race, isn't it? How do you run for gold? You've got to get in a race. You've got to get in the race. You know, the Bible says, and it starts, he says, you know, you know, when you look at the Olympics, you know in a race that all runners run, but only one gets the prize. See, you're not going to win gold by, you know, strolling through life, are you? You're not going to run, run well for gold or win gold if you kind of just don't treat it very seriously. You've got to get in the race. You've got to be in. You've got to be plugged in, alert, aware, getting in. And there is no way to win unless you run. And for some people, that might be a bit of a wake-up call. And Paul draws every believer here into an active faith. 
It's not something you can just sit in the back of, you know, a chair on Sunday mornings and think this is Christianity. He's calling every believer into a 24-7 active faith, alert, in a race, running, pursuing God, wanting to be passionate about the things of God, more than the things just of my own life, but believing there's a plan and a purpose. And I've got to be in that race. The lights have got to come on. I need to become alert and realize that God's up to something. He wants to use me. You cannot serve God from the starting blocks. It's just impossible. You've got to push off and get in the race. And there's a wake-up call, a call to action. And um, I think this is really important to realize that the pistol has already been fired. It's, it's, it's gone. So are we in the race? Are you in the race? Do you realize that's what it is? And Paul knew that many of the Corinthians were asleep. They were focused on the wrong things. And he said, come on, guys. You realize the race is on. The pursuit of God's purposes. God is looking to do something in your life, in this life. And you've got to realize, I want you in the race. You can't sit on the bleachers or out on the outskirts. I want you right in, plugged in, full on, alert and ready. In the race. And many Christians, in my opinion, and I'm talking about Milton Keynes now. We have about 950 that gather every single Sunday. And you know what? There's a lot of, lot of people sleepwalking. There's a lot of people not realizing that God has a purpose and a plan. There's a lot of people walking around like it's their plan, not God's plan. They're not surrendered or submitted to his ways. It's still about their ways. And I know that Paul would challenge every Christian to wake up and not to live a a lukewarm Christian life. But there are many people who have this Christian lukewarm life. And some are just doing what they want to do. They're not submitted to God. They're not understanding that he has a plan. He might be savior, but he certainly isn't Lord. They certainly not surrendered fully to his plans and his purposes. Some people's faith, in my opinion, is flabby. It's dull. They don't realize and have connected to the fact that God wants them fit in a race, running well. And some are living just for the here and now, for worldly wealth, for prominence and power. Some people just for pleasure, right? I mean, our world is littered with people like this. And just living for the here and now. And some see little change or no spiritual progress in their life from year to year. I hope there's no one in this church like that. There is in mine, I'm sad to say. No spiritual progress. No developing relationship with Christ. No more getting fired up, you know, about what God would do in my life this year. They're living in the past and not the future. And some don't read their Bibles, so they don't grow in the knowledge of God or His ways. I told the guys last night, you know, some of you are desperate to grow in the knowledge of God. It's not going to happen unless you read your Bibles. 95% of Christians don't read their Bibles. It's not rocket science, folks. You've got to get in the Word. The Bible says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Okay? Live in this. You want to get direction in your life? You want to know God? It's in here. You know, if you need to know what God has in store for you, it's in here. Okay? You plug into God's Word. And get it in your life. And some people seem, you know, just content with scratching around, trying to find the purposes of God for the life. I want to tell you, God is desperate to reveal his will for your life. Get in the book. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you through his word. And I believe you can come alive to the fact that you need to be in the race where God is taking you. There's buildings to be bought, right? There's people to reach. There's things to do. 
just because you're old, don't give up, please. We need you all in the bag. Everybody. We have our seniors sittings there, knitting, knitting things. Because some of them, that's all they can do. They're knitting things ready to send out on mission. They do auctions into the community. They've just raised £1,500 towards mission. Just a group of people get together and says, we can do something. They're in the race. If they weren't in the race, they'd be sitting there watching EastEnders. I'm not saying, I'm not, you know, if you're an EastEnders fan, okay, go easy with me, okay. But you are not going to change the world by sitting at home watching EastEnders. We're not in the race, right? Occasionally, it's okay, okay. So Paul's challenging the church to get plugged into what God has for them, their lives. Don't just stand around and stare at the stars. Get involved. Are you in the race? So how are you going to run for God? You've got to get in this race. What is it that God has for you? What does he want you to do? What about your spiritual gifts? What about the passions that are in your heart? What about your, you know, the, your abilities, your natural abilities using them for God? What about your experiences that you can use? And even, do you know what I've found with God? Even the difficult, the bad experiences that we go through in life, if we can start to talk about them and share them, God can turn everything around for good. He can use those experiences, good, bad, and ugly, to, to, to reach out and help other people. And he uses us. God can use anybody. He wants us all involved in his team, right? All involved in the race. So how do you run for gold? You've got to get in the race. So if you're not plugged in there, let me challenge you this morning. It's time to get up and get in. Full on, get in the race. The second thing he says, I think if you want to run for gold, is you've got to focus on giving your best. You know, this is, a, this is an excellence point. God's not after perfection. One day we will be made perfect. But in this life, there's no perfect people. That's what I've discovered anyway including myself. But excellence isn't perfection. Excellence is just giving God your best. The best you can give. And it's, and it's an important thing. It blesses God and it inspires other people. So just give your best, right? Whatever you can do. Work as working for the Lord. Not for mere men, but we do it for God in everyday life. And so we focus on giving our best. The Bible says, Paul speaking to the Corinthians, he said, you know you've got to be in a race because as you look around and watch the Olympics, everybody's in it. You know you've got to get in it to win it. He says, but now you've got to focus on giving your best. So run, he says, to win. Okay? Run. If you're going to run, run to win. All those who compete in the games use self-control so they can win a crown. That crown is an earthly thing that lasts only for a short time. But our crown will never be destroyed in something Far greater than just something that's earthly. So, if, if something earthly is worth running for, can you imagine what something eternal is worth running for? Right? God's, Paul's trying to get the people fired up a little bit here to realize, you know, you need to be giving it everything you've got. You need to be giving it your best. Focus on giving it your best shot. Your Christian life is not an addition. It's everything. And I want you to understand that. Run to win, Paul says to the church. Wake up, grow up, push into all that God has for you. There's plans and purposes for your life. Our race isn't over until we cross that finishing line, right? So don't give up. Keep pushing in and believe that God wants to use you no matter how many years ahead you have. Believe that God can use you. And so Paul had his eyes focused on heaven and on his eternal reward at the finishing line. And uh, you know... We, we don't 
stop giving our best and running in the race until we reach that eternal destination. That's the point that Paul's making and challenging the church here. This focuses on on running well. If you just live for the here and now and have no sense of an eternity in your, your sights, I want to encourage us all to take a big step back from where you are today and, and lift up your head and look what is ahead for you. Jesus promises us that one day we will be with him forever. There is an eternity to gain. There is rewards in heaven that you and I don't yet see. But I tell you, the Bible tells us it far outweighs anything in this life. Far out seed. So we, it's important for us when it gets tough and difficult sometimes to take a step back and lift up our eyes and realize that, you know, this is worth giving my best shot for. I might not see everything happen in this life, but I know in the next life that the Bible promises, Jesus spoke about it, the best is yet to come, right? There's an amazing inheritance for each one of us. And I want you, that alone should put a smile on our face, right? Not, see, a lot of people walk around miserable. They're unhappy. But just the thought of my eternity is secure with Christ. Brings a smile to my face when everything in this life doesn't go too well. Because I know the best is yet to come. Amen? Some of you should get encouraged about that. The best is yet to come. We don't understand it fully. But in this life, that means that we give our best. The winners in the games were crowned with the much, you know, rewarded wreath that sat on their heads, but it was temporary. It only lasted for a short period of time. And Paul reminds the church here, he said, you need to realize that one day you're going to be given a wreath that's going to last forever. Lift up your eyes and can't you see it, Corinthian church? This present and momentary problems and difficulties and challenges that you're going through just doesn't compare with what's ahead of you. I can seem, you know, Trying to, trying to get, well, being so excited about trying to communicate the truth of what eternity held for the people that he was so fired up about this, wanting and desiring the Corinthian church to realize that great, great things were ahead for them. And that was the inspiration that in this life they were always to give the best, to run well, to focus, running to win. And uh, Paul, I think, I love Paul because he led by example. He led the way. He, he was actually not teach, teaching something. He was actually saying, do you know what? I'm living, I'm living the life. I'm pushing it out there. I'm living it myself. And I'm running in such a way that I don't want to get disqualified of this prize myself. I'm in it, full on, committed to this thing. And I want to encourage you to make an irrevocable decision to always give God your best. To always run in such a way as because you know that there's something greater ahead for you in this life. So give your best. Go for God and give God the very best that you can. And Paul promotes a fully engaged life with Jesus rather than this relaxed, passive approach to the Christian faith. And being a Christian, for me, is not about spectating. It's about participating. It's about getting involved and excelling in every area of life and ministry as working for the Lord. That's the encouragement of Scripture. So, so we've we got to get in the race. That's really, really important. We've got to focus on giving the best. The Bible, Paul tells the, the church, you've got to realize as well that you've got to commit to disciplining or living a discipline and developing this disciplined life. 
It's not going to be easy. It's tough. I don't know about you, Paul says, but I'm running hard to the finishing line. There's some effort. There's some, you know, energy that's going in. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me, the message says. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling anyone else all about it and then missing out myself. Do you see that passion and commitment himself? Every leader should be like that. Every person should be like that. An athlete who wants to win goes into strict training. He goes into strict discipline. And that word compete in the Greek, it literally has agony attached to it. It means there's effort, there's energy. It's costing me something. It puts or points to a tremendous amount of effort. I wonder how much effort and energy you put into your Christian life. It's a good question, isn't it? How much energy and commitment, effort that we put into it. And, uh, and it's an important thing to do. As I've grown through my own Christian life, I've realized that I need to be disciplined. Disciple, disciplined one, goes hand in hand. I've got to sharpen myself up. I realize that I've got to be my own greatest fan. I've got to, my, I've got to have some develop, personal development plan for myself before I think about other people. And so I've got to spend some time working that out. Why? Because I believe that God wants you disciplined in your minds. As Christians, we need to be disciplined in our minds. In other words, that's how you think and what you think. There's a lot of trash out there. There's a lot of stuff that goes on in here, right? And the Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We've got to captivate every thought and bring it to the obedience of Christ. Think whole things, whatsoever is good, whatever is noble, whatever is pure. Think about these things. So you've got to be, the call is to be disciplined. Want to run for gold? Want to run well in this life? You've got to be disciplined in your mind. The Bible tells about in our bodies, uh uh-oh, we should be disciplined with our bodies. There's, There's desires and appetites of the flesh that we all have that are not wholesome, that are not right. And, and the Bible teaches that we are, as Paul was speaking here, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep control of this body, this flesh. And it, it's not going to do what it wants to do. I'm born again, my spirit's alive, and the Spirit of God's going to control my life and my desires and my appetites. I'm not going to do the things that a non-Christian does. I'm not going to do the things that would destroy my flesh. I'm going to focus and be diligent with my body and keep it in shape. Our moral character, it's sad, isn't it, that talented, gifted leaders in the church sometimes fail. People that I've looked up into in my own personal life who have fallen through moral failure. But the Bible says never, ever, you know, treat it lightly. The fact that you need to guard yourself, you need to take stock of yourself, take heed lest you fall yourself. Don't ever point the finger at somebody else. I I don't point the finger at anybody else. I'm too busy pointing it at myself. I need to keep myself in order. I need to realize that, uh, you know, my my own life is, 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 is the most important thing that I keep a check on and keep in line with. And that is crucial for us to understand, to be be self-controlled in our speech. I know these are challenging things, but we need to be disciplined in our speech. And James 1.26 says, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is absolutely useless. You've got you to watch your tongue, right? Everything we say isn't always wholesome. It's not always. And so 
The Bible encourages us to keep a check on our speech and our priorities. There are a lot of things that pull you in all kinds of way. And I realized I've got to be disciplined and do the right things. God, there's many things I could do, but what are the right things I need to do in my life? And I had to be real about that. And a Christian needs spiritual workouts and require discipline to keep fit and fresh and strong. And that is really important that we realize that things like prayer and worship and spending time in God's word and fellowshipping and serving and giving. These little practices are crucial disciplines in our lives that keep us sharp. It keeps us running the race. Just an important thing. The secret to success in life is for a man to be ready for his time when it comes, Benjamin Disraeli said. And I think, you know what? I've lived my life always wanting to be ready for what God wanted me to do. Whether it's tomorrow, I want to be ready, don't you? I don't want to be flabby and overweight with laziness. I want to be disciplined, fit, ready for what God has in store for me. That when he speaks, I'm ready to go for it. And I know he wants us in good condition. And the Bible says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straying towards what is ahead. I press onto the goal to win the prize for which God has called me to heavenwards in Christ. See, Paul was never giving up, being diligent and disciplined about his own Christian life. He wanted to be in the right place at the right time saying, God, I'm up for it. I'm ready. I'm running for gold. I want to be all in. And I want to encourage us all to be like that. Paul would speak the same thing today. And, you know, when the training, you know, it's tough training, isn't it? If you want to run for gold, when the training gets tough, you need to remember to take a step back and keep your eyes on the goal. You have to do that often. When your head's down sometimes, you know, it's difficult. You forget. We all forget. We have to take a step back and look up and, and, and see that there's greater. I can remember a moment of being in Bible school, went to the IBTI in Sussex, and I was preaching, uh, sorry, just, just at the Bible school and just going through the grinds of lecturing, lectures every day. And, you know, and I just, I just got disillusioned myself. One day as I was just praying in the chapel, I just felt God say, just take a minute and pause, lift your eyes up. I've got greater things in store for you than where you're at right now. You know, I realized in the journey of life, when your head's down and you're going through some routines and disciplines and challenges sometimes, it's really important. You might be at stage B, but there's C, D, E ahead that you don't see. But God, who holds the future in his hands, holds your life in his hands. And he knows what's ahead. And sometimes when your head's down there, you just, you just can't look up and see. But you've got to know that God has a great future in store for your life. He's the one who holds it. He knows. He's omniscient. He knows all things. And so our confidence and trust rest in him. So when the training's on and it's tough and you, you are being disciplined, it's really important that we just step up and look up for God. And uh, I remember some of us have heard this story before. I'll wrap this up now. I realize, just realized time's gone. Um, just to say that, uh, you know, there was, some of you heard this illustration before, but there was a guy who went to a guy and he was, there was a bricklayer just laying bricks. You heard this, I'm sure. And, and, and the guy said, what is, what is it you're doing? He said, I, I'm laying bricks. Can't you see what I'm doing? I'm just laying the bricks. Carried on building, uh, building his, his wall. There was a, he walked across and met another guy and he said to this other guy, what is it you're doing? What are you doing? He was doing the same kind of thing as the guy over there. He said, I'm building a cathedral. See, both doing the same job, right? But one's giving a bit, big, bigger picture. Seeing, he's, he's actually taken a step back and think, 
you know, I'm in the grind doing the day-to-day stuff, but I tell you what, my eyes are focused on the big yeah. picture, right? Yeah. So this church needs to be focused on a few thousand people, I think. Yeah. We need yeah. to be focused on filling these buildings. Yeah. We're not doing it just, just to fill it with air. You actually believe that people are going to get saved and people are going to come into a real relationship with Jesus Christ. We're running for gold. We're running the race. We're believing for God to do great things. And everybody God wants involved. Right? So run the race. Believe for something greater that God can use. And you lead by example. Paul said, I trip my own body and make it my slave so that I myself will not be disqualified. I find this incredibly challenging. And I never want to preach anything. I never want to lead anything if I'm not in it myself. 100%. 100% I want to be right in there. So here's my challenge today. Let's get in the race if you're not in the race. Right? Give it your best. Okay? Run with excellence as running for God. Be disciplined in your Christian life. Don't live a sloppy Christian life. Realize that God wants you fit and sharp and there's things for you to do. Places to go, people to meet, things to to connect to. Realize that when it gets a bit tough, take a step back and lift your eyes up. See the goal and just just keep going, right? God's big God and lead by example. You know, stop pointing the finger at other people. Get in the race yourself and say, I'm going to be the person. It's not about just doing the Christian life. It's about letting God change you and you become something that becomes a model, an example, a living epistle, as the Bible actually teaches us to become, so that you might be read and known by everyone. See, not many people are going to pick this out there in the world. They're not going to pick this up and start reading it. Fantastic if they do. But when they look at our lives, we're supposed to be the Bible on legs. Did you know that? It's called a living epistle, known and read by all people. And something is visibly seen there. So I want to challenge you, get involved. And, you know, the Apostle Paul just kind of finished. He said, every time, every four years when you see the Olympics coming round, you make sure you, you, you think about another kind of race that you're being inspired and challenged to run through. Corinthians, never forget this. And I think he would say the same kind of things to us today. Don't ever forget that you're in a race. And when you watch the Olympics next time it comes round, Let it fire you up and stir you up because there's another race that's worth running that has a gold medal. In fact, I have to tell you, there's not enough gold in this world that can compare with the gold one day and the crown that you guys are going to wear when you enter into your eternal reward and inherit that. And I just want to inspire you. Get excited, flipping, amazingly excited about all that God has for you because none of us have really understood how great that is. Amen. So, Father, today, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you're always encouraging us. You're always inspiring us. You're always encouraging us to lift our eyes up. You're always telling us that there's so much more for us in this life, but more even in the next life to come. And, Father, I pray that we might get fired up and excited about the Jesus that we serve, all that he's done for us, all that he's given for us. And I pray that we wouldn't sit on the peripheries of things, but even people here today might just jump right in and get in the race that you've called them to do, to run for goal, to go after God in a real life-changing way and become a participator in all that you've purposed for the life. And in doing that, I pray that you change people's lives in Jesus' name. And if you've never, ever, never, ever asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, I don't know everybody here today, but as we're praying today, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, you've never asked him to forgive you of your sin, you've never asked him to start a relationship with him, 
You've, you know, you've heard me talking about eternity today and you've, you've just heard us uh, talking some of the stuff you've understood and some of you think it's just a fairy tale. You know, wherever you're at, I want to tell you God loves you. He cares about your life and he wants to come into your life and give you a hope and a future. And if you just turn to him, the Bible says that he'll come and live with you. You might be hopeless and you're not knowing which way to turn or where to go in your life. But I want to tell you, God cares about where you're at. He loves you. He died on the cross to save you. He wants a real relationship with you. And if you just respond and ask him to come into your life and give your life to him, the Bible says he will come and dwell with you. So I don't know if you, that's you this morning, somebody in here, you just say, Mark, you know, I need Christ in my life. I need a relationship with God. I need to ask him for his forgiveness. I need to start a new relationship with him. Maybe that's you this morning. Just respond in your heart. Just, just pray this little prayer this morning. Lord Jesus Christ, right now, in this moment, I'm turning to you. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. I'm asking you right now in this moment to come into my life. I'm asking you right now to take away all my sin. I give my life to you. I want to serve you. Come and help me in my life. I want to start a journey with you. Amen.